welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hey, Diane. Hi, Jen. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) We both just like stopped and smiled and giggled at each other. (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, it's just who we are. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's our innate bubbliness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, actually, the past few days have been like, relatively painless and I'm gonna knock on all the wood that I can see um because my daughter has been like teething like a crazy person and she's been just a nightmare I love her but a nightmare (laughs) and the past two or three days she's like slept till 6 a.m and she's been like much better during the day and so I'm hoping we're like getting out of the woods that's great that's so good I'm glad yeah do you want to start with your mom moment I will so I have two that I can't really pick between. So I think I'll do I think I'll do both of them and I'll give you like Do it. Cuz they're both relatively short. So we make the rules, right? Like it's fine. <laughs> I just feel like they're really present in my mind and if I wait until next time we record, I'm going to forget them and then I won't get to do them. So um Go for it. so the first one is is a a really, I think, a dad moment more than a, a mom moment because it was my husband's brilliant thinking that led to a really useful, <laughs> useful outcome. So in our house, Emma is the, the experiment queen. She just wants to make – she just wants to make experiments all the time. And experiments to Emma mean edible ingredients that she pours into a bowl and mixes together. She combines things at at specific volumes and in specific ranges of viscosity that make it that you cannot <laughs> you cannot imbibe whatever it is. It's usually like right. lots of salt and you know a bunch of vanilla and, <laughs> and like uh. and like mashed up banana and it's just like okay this is garbage. Yeah, but she just thinks they're all treasures and beautiful and she wants to save them all in the freezer and you know they're important. For her. <laughs> so. Joe tonight, in this moment of sheer brilliance, was like, Emma, do you want to do an experiment with me? And she was like, yes, I love experiments. You're giving me permission to do one? Because usually she has to do them on the sly. Usually she gets really sneaky about it. Right. So she goes into the kitchen with him and I hear them like putzing around with all different things. And they made seltzer water in the soda stream, which she loved. Then they mixed some lemon juice and some other things together and put them into a shaker and then they shook it up, and she, like, loves to shake with the shaker. So she's shaking, 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 shake, and they pour that into a thing. And then they put the seltzer water on top. And then they foamed some egg whites and put that on top of the drink and then brought me, like, a gin fizz. And she was like, Mom, so fancy. I was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Your own personal mixologist. Oh, my gosh. She's just the best. So now she's just really like, can we make Mommy another experiment? So I'm in trouble, guys. Oh, no. My liver's in trouble. <laughs> She's going to be making me experiments <laughs> left and right. So very funny. So the, <laughs> the other thing is from this past weekend was this really lovely day that I had with Emma and Joey. I very rarely go anywhere alone with them, partially because there's a pandemic, but also because they're a real handful with just one adult, specifically me, because I'm mom and they have a different relationship with me than other adults. 
But <laughs> I was feeling really brave, and I decided to take them out sledding on my own. It was Sunday. There's a really beautiful big sledding hill, like a small ski slope near our house. And I brought them, and they were just like on. They were great. They listened to all the rules. They didn't run away. They didn't run into the parking lot. Like all the things that they usually do. Oh, that's great. And it was lovely and we had like a great time. And when it was time to leave, Emma was actually tired and was like, can we go now? I'm really tired. And I was like, oh my, this is amazing. Because usually it's like, I don't want to go. So Kicking and screaming. Yeah. It was just lovely. Everybody was ready to leave. And we got in the car and I was like, guys, do you want to go get some donuts and hot chocolate? And they were <gasps> like, Yes. So we stopped at Dunkin' Donuts and got heart-shaped brownie batter-filled donuts, which My blew their mind. time of year. <laughs> they were just like, what is this magic? And I was like, I know, right? So good. <laughs> then I got them hot chocolates, and I asked Dunkin' Donuts to make them small hot chocolates in medium cups, but then fill the rest up with milk so that they weren't as hot, which Dunkin' Donuts very kindly did for me. I, like, keep the hot chocolates in the front so that they can't drink them while I'm driving because we get home they get their hot chocolates we're going in the house Emma goes upstairs Joey walks into the house and he's wearing his boots and they're wet and slippery and he slips (laughs) and he has a full medium-sized hot chocolate from Dunkin Donuts and it just goes everywhere (laughs) and he was so sad Oh, no. Did he cry? He was so sad. He cried. And then I was like, it's okay. Emma's is really big. We'll just split it. So then they were both crying. Oh, no. How dare I split her hot chocolate? So everybody was really sad by the end. But it was lovely up until that moment. Hold on to the rest of that day. Hold it tight. I was just like, nothing can get in my way. I'm so happy. And even once it happened, I was like, it's okay. I'll just get a towel. Because I was riding high. I was like, everything's fine, man. I just had a great day out alone with my kids. Hot chocolate, whatever. It's fine. I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So tell me, tell me yours. Um, Mine's real short. Just something that I think is very cute. We've talked about this before when, like, your children, like, mispronounce something and you think it's just darling. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Rini has come up with names for everyone. She can't say everybody's full names. It's hard for her. You know, she's not even two. Totally get it. But <laughs> some of them I'm like, what? <laughs> so, you know, mommy, daddy, fine. My dad is grandpa, but she doesn't call him grandpa. She calls him pa. Mm-hmm. And we all just kind of reinforced it. And so now we all call him Pa. So she'll never call him Grandpa, I think. He's just going to be Pa, which I never expected. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma is Brema, which I think is adorable with a, with a B. B, Brema. My friend Cassandra, who used to watch her all the time, is Jana. Excellent. And my my brother, this is... Oh, no. My, my best friend Wayne, who we FaceTime with, because um, he lives in Minnesota, um, he's... I call him Uncle Wayne, but when she says it, it sounds like Ungaween. <laughs> Ungaween. So I love Ungaween. Ungaween. <laughs> That's really sweet. And then uh, my favorite one is my brother. I don't know how she came up with this, but she very clearly has been saying this from the very first time I said, like, pointed to a picture and said, who is that? It's never changed. It's always this. My brother is David. So I always refer to him to her as Uncle David. One day I pointed to his picture and I said, who's that? And she said, 
it's deakily <laughs> and i was like what it's deakily she calls him deakily <laughs> i don't know why i think it's like the the, the sounds of uncle and david but yeah. all mixed up and so i think it's the funniest thing in the world oh so now gosh. we all call him uncle deakily <laughs> <laughs> When she, when he walk because we started seeing my brother again a little bit, and when he walks in the house, she's like, oh, "It's Deakly!" She's so excited. <laughs> she, that's it. It's never changed. It's always been Deakly, and I was like, "Well, that's who you are now. Yeah, you have to that's be your name forever." <laughs> oh my god! Like, and it's so clear. It's like she really like that's what she means to say. Yeah, like, that's right. really great. Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah, I think it's real fun. So we'll see how long that that sticks. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever. If I, if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> All right. So what is your topic of the day? I am doing a brief history because if we really get into like, you know, how far back everything goes, it would take forever. I mean, doing a brief history of baby wearing. Oh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a so, big topic. I probably don't get into the nitty gritty as much as I could, but I think we'll get the general gist. Yeah. So here we go. Baby wraps. I mean, we all know what they are. Our generation of moms, a lot of us tend to use them. They're not a weird thing to us. I remember when I was shopping for baby wraps on my registry and stuff, like it, people were very like viscerally attached to the type of wrap that they used and they liked and like they really wanted to recommend that you know like mm -hmm. i feel like it was more than just a wrap it was like a very integral part of like their mothering experience and it meant a lot to them mm -hmm. and i think that's really important when we talk about baby wearing because it keeps your baby so close to you that it's like it's not just a piece of fabric Mm -hmm. And I actually feel that way because I actually, I had a lot of trouble like giving my baby Catan wrap to my cousin because I was like, well, she was having a baby and she had never tried the baby Catan. So I was like, oh, you can try it. And then when I actually was going to give it away, I wasn't using it anymore, but I was like, well, it makes me kind of sad because I carried her in that every single day. Yeah. I think that the value that we put on them now is more than just a piece of fabric and it kind of tells this rich history of the wraps, which is, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So evolutionarily, humans are a carrying species. We are not a parking species, right? So we, if we're going to go off and forage for food, we're going to carry our babies with us. We're not going to hide them somewhere and then go hunt food and bring it back like, like a fox would. Unfortunately, though, with babies, human babies, their brains are so large that they're born much earlier, right, than some other mammals. So um, they can't cling on to us the way other mammals' babies can. So we have to find a way to carry them. So as a result, early humans um, constructed these carriers probably out of like tree bark and leaves and animal skins and, and you know, cords and straps um, to strap babies to their chests and make carrying devices. And they actually believe that baby carrying devices are among the first tools that humans ever developed, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and a lot of my um, like anthropological information is coming from uh, James McKenna, who's an anthropology professor at the University of Notre Dame, um, and so so he was the one that was saying that um, they do believe that these are like the the first real tools that we made. Which mm. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
So in art from Egypt, like way back when they had like pharaohs and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> women uh, with baby carriers are depicted in art and uh, they are depicted in 14th century frescoes in Italy. And there's even, I think there's a fresco that portrays Mary carrying baby Jesus in a sling mm-hmm. while she's like on a donkey. So this is like ubiquitous in culture for a very long time until it falls out of fashion in Victorian era Europe because strollers yes. and prams become popular. Yep. And not only that, but the culture of Western parenting changes to you don't want to coddle your baby. You don't want to, you know, hold your baby too much as we've talked about in other episodes. So mm-hmm. it made more sense to put your baby into some other device Carrying your baby became something that poor people did who couldn't afford the modern conveniences of of a stroller. Yeah. Obviously, in Western culture, it was something that fell out of fashion for a long time and has come back. But in a lot of Eastern culture, it's never really gone out of style. Yeah. I knew that, but I thought it was very cool. And, And every culture has a different type of carrier, which we'll get into. So... In Asia, carriers were often made out of the silk of kimonos. Mm -hmm. In Africa, they were made out of these fabrics that they had readily at hand called kanga. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, It was part of a a fabric they used to make what they called an apron, which kind of pulled double duty as like a blanket to sit on, but also a carrier when you were going to get up and carry your baby. And then in Mexico, they have the um, rebozo, which is like an all-purpose carrying cloth, so you could use it to carry anything, but also your child. Even in Wales, up until like the 1950s, uh, they would carry what they called the Welsh blanket, which both men and women would regularly use to carry babies up until strollers, like mass-produced strollers became common. Interesting, yeah. The thing that really struck me that I never thought about but made sense is that in warmer climates, babies are often worn in the front because they overheat and they need to feed more frequently. Oh, and and it wasn't always the isn't always the mother who carries the baby. It could be any woman who is lactating at the time, right? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Would carry the baby in the front so they can just latch on whenever they're thirsty. Interesting. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I very rarely breastfed while wearing a baby in a sling or in a carrier or whatever because I just I found either. it to be really hard. <laughs> I found it really hard, too. And that's just a product of the fact that this is not something that we grew yeah. up with and our mothers didn't do it. And so mm-hmm. yeah. I think, you know, to us, it's like a weird, like, you got to finagle all this fabric and move the baby. And then like, and, and it was too much of a hassle for me. Yeah. But for people that have grown up with it, it's like second nature. Yeah. 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 Right. In colder climates, they carry babies on their backs, usually. And also they carry them in in carriers or coats that they can leave the baby inside of it and Mm -hmm. like hang it up somewhere (laughs) and so that the baby stays warm and they can like go do whatever they need to do yeah um but they don't have to feed so frequently so they don't have to like strap them to their bodies Mm -hmm. in the front um so like in the inuit culture yeah yeah yeah. was it the diapering episode maybe where like it's the inuit cultures that inside of those carriers they would stuff the bottom with like moss oh, yeah. and other things to like catch all of the That's pee. right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Because yeah. then you didn't have to take your baby out. You'd just be like, just pee in there. Yeah. It's fine. Just It'll stay keep in you there. Warm. Stay warm. 
You're fine. Oh, boy. It's fine. Um, in India, women would tie babies into their saris, which we are already very intricately wrapped, yeah. which is um, – just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Product of what you're already wearing. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, in, in America and probably in, in, like, England and a lot of Western culture, around, like, the 1960s is when baby wearing starts to kind of – make a comeback. In the late 1960s, an American nurse named Anne Moore invented the Snuggly baby mm, carrier, nice. which was a soft structured carrier with shoulder straps you could wear in the front or the back. It literally sounds like what we still use yeah. today. Way to go. <laughs> so, I mean, it's probably hasn't changed much. Yeah. But she decided to make it after seeing African women carrying their babies on their backs when she worked in the Peace Corps oh. uh, in Togo, West Africa. So... Everything that we take, right, in Western culture comes from some other culture. And we yeah. go, oh, I could do this and do it better, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember reading, I think it's in Togo, actually, where the the babies, I mean, in a lot of different places in Africa, I believe, because they, when, when the women go out to work, they're wearing their babies often on their backs in a lot of the pictures that I've seen. And they train their babies from like six weeks, eight weeks old to wiggle when they have to pee so that the mom can like you know like move them away from their back and they can like pee and not get it all over the mom but i forget what it's called but it's a specific type of like potty training that is done it's like a signal that a child gives to a parent physically before they can like do anything else whoa so the parent can like put them down on top of like some dirt and let them pee and then pick them back up how cool is that yeah right yep so that's a thing. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. It would be cool. So you said that you think that's in Togo? I think it is. But <clears throat> Oh, that's awesome. Like, I, I feel like I don't know mer- very many African locations, but that's a very familiar right. sounding one. So I'm like, I wonder if it was there. So, yeah. We'll check. We'll check on it. Yeah. But that was, that's very interesting. I like that. After... Anne Moore invents the snuggly. Baby wearing slowly becomes like more accepted because approaches to parenting start to change. So it's no longer about that, like, don't touch your baby, leave mm-hmm. them, don't say I love you, right? Like all that <laughs> great stuff. Yep. It starts to uh, become okay to hold your baby close to you. Mm-hmm. Parenting continues to change throughout the 1990s. Um, most notably in the 90s, there's a big increase in the rates of breastfeeding mm-hmm. and a shift away from the idea that babies should always be taught to self-soothe. You shouldn't soothe them, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we know. In the 1970s, the first German woven wrap company, I don't know how you say this, D-I-D-Y-M-O-S, Didymos? I don't know. Someone might tell us. That was established after its founder was given a Mexican rebozo. Hmm. And they thought, oh, you know, I can use this. Yeah. And then in the early 1980s, the ring sling was invented by a man in Hawaii for his wife. Oh. And this is cool. He sold his idea to none other than Dr. William Sears, who invented the term, do you know? I don't know. Attachment parenting. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did come yes. from Sears. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So this guy in Hawaii invented the ring sling, sold the idea to William Sears, who gave it to his wife, and she invented the term baby wearing after using the sling for her son 
and she described it as an item of clothing she would put on in the morning and take off at night, like anything else she would wear. Oh, nice. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. That's Sears family. Um, so... Since the 1980s, the number of types of slings and carriers has, like, grown Oh, yeah. Exponentially, yeah. We'll go through all the different kinds in a moment. But there are also so many different companies that make these kinds of wraps. I know. Like, very large manufacturing companies and then these small little, like, boutique-y kind of companies. And it's actually kind of hard to pick one. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I know several women, including myself, who have made them. And oh really? Yeah, like I made a just like a wrap, just a, a linen wrap. But I know women who've uh, the ring sling that I used for Liam was actually made by my friend Rachel that she used with her kids, and she let me borrow it for so Liam. Cool. And when I had to give it back to her, it was like, oh my gosh, this was so wonderful. And she was like, I know, I want it back because I carried my kids in this, and now I'm going to use this fabric to make something special. And I was like, I know. <laughs> That's so sweet. But it's nice because now, you know, she'll reuse it for something and I'll still get to see it in in like, she's really great at that. She's really great at repurposing things that have a sentimental meaning from her children's young lives into something that is like, can be in their lives moving forward. And that's that's a really good skill because then you can enjoy that sweet thing from their baby life forever that's great i wish i was good at that i'm terrible at that you'll find some way to incorporate rini's little things into your lives i don't know like a shadow box or something maybe maybe i'll do something creepy and keep all her teeth or something and make one of those creepy dolls do it do it (laughs) we'll see i have emma's first something out like i I shouldn't say that too loud (laughs) but i have it like hidden away or two of them she's lost two teeth now have them both wow (laughs) two already yeah 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 (laughs) i guess i didn't think about like how early babies or children lose their teeth but yeah i think it's between like five and six they lose their first ones and they apparently lose them in the order they got them which so far has been correct for emma so yes and i heard the later they get their teeth the later they fall out because when we went to the dentist with rini she got her teeth really late and she was like, she might not lose her first tooth till she's like seven. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Baby wearing has kind of come full circle in culture, at least in, in Western culture in the United States. It went from being everywhere to being nowhere. And now it's back to being everywhere again. And people have very strong feelings about it. But over the last decade, the practice of baby wearing has really started to surge in the 2000s. And a lot of people think that that's because of social media. Mm -hmm. Because influencers will post on Instagram, you know, holding their baby in this specific type of sling. And people are like, oh, I want to do that. Or now we have these baby wearing Facebook groups where people can talk about baby wearing and actually swap and trade their wraps and stuff. There's also a thing now called, I think it's called a baby wearing expert. You actually can get certified in baby wearing. And so you can train people the proper way to tie a wrap because it is kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to quickly go over some of the kinds of wraps because I didn't know about all of them. Mm -hmm. So obviously we know about the kinds of woven wraps that are made out of stretchy fabric, like the Moby or I'm trying to think of the one that I had that I used once and never used again because it was very confusing. Um, (laughs) What's that really long one called? The Boba? The Boba wrap? Yes. I think the Boba. Yeah, it's very long. It's very long, and I'm short. You're short, too. So I felt like it didn't work well for me. Mm-hmm. We talked about the rebozo, which is um, 
Mexican, and then the ring sling, it's a type of sling, soft structured carriers, they have buckles and straps and things, right? So that there's a little more support and structure to it. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing that I found were all the Asian style carriers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of these. I had heard of none of them. There's the Mei Tai carrier. Okay. That's Chinese carrier with really long straps, just like a boba or something, but you twist them and actually tie them instead of just wrapping. Okay. And then there's the Onbuhimo wrap, which is the Japanese version of this. The way you tie the Mei Tai one, you have like, you tie it like around your waist too. Mm-hmm. So you have like like a like waist support and the Onbuhimo has no waistband. It doesn't go around your waist. Okay. But otherwise very similar, twists and ties. And then there's the, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, I'm hoping someone will tell me, the uh, Podegi, which is the Korean carrier. And it's like a cross between a Mei Tai and uh, an Onbuhimo in that it doesn't have a waistband, but it ties just like a Mei Tai wrap. Okay. So I'd never heard of any of these, but then when I Googled them, all of these like boutique kind of baby wrap stores, they sell these kinds of carriers. Yeah. You actually can get these in America and and try them out. If if you're expecting a baby and you want to try something new, you know, go for it. Oh, that seems great. Right? I thought that was cool. Yeah. I think the final thing that really makes baby carrying so popular now is – the medical studies that have shown that babies who are carried cry less and are more content than those who are held less frequently. And carrying has also been linked to improvements in the developments of premature infants. Mm-hmm. So all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think we know a lot more now about why to carry. <laughs> yes. So, you know, why to carry or what kind of carrier you'd be looking for, all your different options. And there's nothing earth shattering in here. I mean, obviously we knew that this came from eastern culture and it also came from just being a carrying species as we are but it's kind of cool to watch the trajectory of baby wearing and how it goes along with the parenting styles that we've talked about in the past there you have it there you have it it's very good thanks (laughs) i'll have to look up some pictures of some of these i think yeah i I think this is going to be a picture heavy show note yes i will send lots of pictures of all the different asian style wraps that that we talked about so you can see all right you want to tell people where they can find us yes absolutely so you can find us on facebook we have a facebook page we are also on instagram and twitter at opdw podcast and we can be reached via email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com So send us your stories if you've wrapped babies and worn them. If you didn't and you were a parking parent, that was totally normal for a very long time. Yeah, no shame. (laughs) It's like that's something that people did for (laughs) sure. And I found out this morning while I was doing – I use the Headspace app for meditation. And the morning meditation today was about baby sea otters. And when sea otter mothers go out to get fish for their babies to eat – they park their babies in kelp, in like a kelp forest. They like wrap them up in the kelp so they won't float away. That's adorable. Right? It's super cute. And so smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very smart animals, apparently. And our music, oh, I don't want to forget, our music is by Theo Rosenberg. So thank you, Theo. Thank you, Theo. All right, Diane, until next time. If you want to make your own baby wrap, that's cool. Just don't use tree bark. Tree bark.